Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Welcome back and happy New Year's to everybody out there. I'm your host Dave Winnis with my co-host Kenny and a milk car. Guys, hey, uh, New Year, a lot of new stuff to talk about here on Leaving the Ring. Hey, we apologize that we didn't do the awards show, man, but man, our, our time was just crunched and me going on vacation and, and work was just uh, hectic because everybody was trying to get their stuff done. So we just couldn't seem to fit a time for all three of us to sit down and do this. So, I mean, I think it's like overdue. We shouldn't even talk about any type of awards. What we should talk about is uh, is obviously what's going to happen in, two, uh, in 2020, uh, what fights we want to see, what fights are already made. Um, I thought it'd be fun to talk about who loses the title and who gains the title, right? Who stays the champion, who leaves uh, the champion, champion bout. Uh, we, we, we definitely have a lot to talk about with Terrence Crawford. Uh, his Twitter beef that's with Gervonta Davis, who had his win over, a very hard-earned win over Yorkies Gamboa and his uh, torn Achilles. So we, we do have a lot of stuff that we can talk about here on Leaving the Ring, and obviously we're going to get to those uh, subjects that I just mentioned right now. But I want to say Happy New Year's to everybody. I hope everybody had a safe and wonderful uh, New Year's Eve and day. And... Uh, I just got back, so I'm a little. I'm, I'm, I gotta tell you guys, I'm a little tired still. I got off the plane, which I gotta give United Airlines thumbs up all the way because they had literally uh, six hours of. Well, it was like six hours and 15, 20 minutes that I was on the flight from Florida back here to California, and they had every fight from PBC on on the television on my, you know, where I was sitting at. They, they had rest behind the other seat in front of me. There's a television there. So I was able to watch, you know, Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman again, uh, Dante Wilder versus Fury the first time, the, the first go. Um, I was able to do, you know, and, and really enjoy it, and, and it made my time go faster that literally, guys, I didn't even want to get off the airplane. I, you know what I mean? Because I was like, the the, uh, the Williams and Hurt fight was about to start, and I was like, oh, let me, you know, man, let's, let's, let's see if we get delayed before we land. And... No, we ended up landing, and I couldn't watch the – it was like they were doing the announcement, uh, the ring announcement, before I could see them uh, get into the first round. So there you go. United Air Flies, you guys want a great to, – to, you know, if you guys are flying out, I rec- highly recommend using uh, United Airlines there. Look, I'm doing them a, a little short bit for them, and they're not even paying my ass. What a sucker. Oh, no, what a no, sucker no, I am, no, man. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, you guys want to call in, certainly can, 347-215-7598. We are trying to pull up the YouTube link so that you can see our ugly mugs on the screen on YouTube. So uh, just uh, work with us. We're still shaking on the, off the ring rust here because it's a new year. So it's not leaving a ring if we don't have any technical difficulties here on the show uh, live. Uh, anyways, let me see if I got my co-hosts with me. Uh, let's see. Emilco, are you there? I am, but I can't really hear you too well. Um, I'm waiting to get online properly with, with Blog Talk. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Kenny sounds like a robot right now. He's got like a thousand echoes coming from behind him. I don't I know if he brought his army with him. I can hear you now. Can you hear me, David? I can hear you perfect, bro. All right, awesome. Yeah, there's a problem essentially between Skype and, and Blog Talk and uh, Google, but I'm working with Kenny to sort it out. So, yeah, I just want to wish all of our listeners a happy new year. Uh, I've definitely started off this new year super well. It's probably the best start I've ever had to a new year at least uh, in a long, long time. And um, I'm excited about the boxing that we have already lined up for 2020. And then we've got a great year of boxing ahead. Uh, we had an awesome 2019. We had a lot of great fights. I'm sure you've uh, got some things that you want to really recap uh, about 2019, David. But 2020 is a year that I'm excited about and that I'm excited right. about talking about. Yeah, same here. You know, I... I I think that 2019 really reminded us the, how good boxing is, you know, how good it is when you get the right matches put together, how, how exciting and drama filled it can be when fighters agree to face each other in the ring. Right. And, and honestly with the new platforms that have come up in boxing made it more, more accessible for fans from across the globe, um, it definitely has given everybody a chance to watch the best available fights that are not from really the more mainstream promoters like Top Rank and 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 Golden Boy and Match uh, Matchbox uh, Sports. Um, it, to me, it's kind of given uh, like the World Series of the Boxing a chance to get that global exposure that we we all want to you know see happen, and it's kind of generated some some old stars back to becoming new stars and some guys that probably would have never been heard of because HBO had made their farewell goodbye uh, in 2018 that they had been given a platform now that they're able to be witnessed and now have the potential coming up of, of, of getting those bigger fights. So it's been a good year for 2019. I, I'm really looking forward to what, what's going to happen in 2020. Absolutely. Yeah, two, I mean, Sorry, the ahead. first, the first major fight we obviously have uh, on the horizon is the rematch uh, for Wilder and Fury that's already been signed and confirmed for February 22nd. Um, you know, the promotion has kind of been uh, criticized a little bit because they didn't have a big press tour, but it's such a big fight that it really sells itself to the uh, hardcore fans and even the casual fans. And with Fox and ESPN doing a joint pay-per-view and putting their, their muscle behind it through college football games, through the Super Bowl, and through things like SportsCenter, and I'm sure skipping uh, Shannon on FS1, you know, th this is going to really be a big event, and I'm already really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, no, I um I agree, man. You know, um you know the thing I think the only thing which every year is obvious is the concerns of what fights are finally going to be made. You know, the fights that fans really boxing fans really want to make happen, you know, that want to be, you know, be made happen and not just fantasize whether or not who would be the real victor in a fight that shouldn't be considered as a fantasy fight, meaning Crawford and, and Spence, uh, you know, Wilder and AJ, uh, Fury and AJ, vice versa, you know, so. Sorry, I'm getting texts here like crazy here. Um, you know, th- that's the only concern that I always see among all fight fans is getting the fights that we hope for and want for every time out, you know, but other than that, I think the start of the new year being that, that some of the fights that are already on schedule are really a good start for boxing fans. Yeah. And in terms of the fans, I think patience is kind of needed. You know, if the goal is to find, out who the best heavyweight is, the undisputed heavyweight champion. You know, there's four belts out there. AJ, obviously, because he defeated Andy Ruiz in the rematch, owns three versions of the title. Wilder owns uh, the WBC version, and uh, Tyson Fury, you know, claims status as, as the linear champ. That fight is signed. The real dilemma is what is going to happen with uh aj because he's up for two mandatories apparently both the wbo which is mandated Usyk, and the wba which is mandated uh, uh kubrat pulev sorry the ibf uh which is mandated uh kubrat pulev are both wanting to enforce these mandatories and you know he may end up having to drop one of those two titles um but if he can get through both of those fights in 2020 and we get through the next two Wilder Fury fights because apparently they've signed for a rematch to the rematch. We will hopefully, if we can be patient, uh, see a unification fight in 2021. And I know 2021 seems like it's way far off, but guys, we're in 2020. And a few years ago, 2020 seems like the distant future. <laughs> I know it does, right? And then, it, right. and then it's right there. It's right in front of you, you know. Um, let me uh, let me ask you this really quick. Yeah. You know, going off a topic we we're just bringing up right now is the introduction of the show and stuff. But, uh, you know, I always said this. I, I, I never really care for fighters bickering over social media. But yeah. I actually do like Crawford when he's speaking his mind on Twitter, because I've said this on Twitter about his beef with Davis, that he's got more personality on social media than he does in front of the camera. But here's the thing though. Here's the thing. Right. He's got more personality. It seems like he can get what he, what, whatever's in his head and then whatever his thoughts and his feelings, it seems like he can get that a lot quicker and a lot more clear on the on on a social media media platform, you know, like most folks, you know, most people have seen, and what I have been witnessing is that more folks seem to be able to to collect their thoughts a lot better and translate it a lot easier uh, 
through what 46 characters on Twitter. It could be more now. I'm not really sure. Um, whereas, whereas in person, they just can't seem to put the words together to make that complete sentence that that can reach the many that are out there witnessing or, or paying attention when they're speaking. Um, and Crawford just seems to be that guy that can do that. But my, my question, Amilcar, to you is that yeah. even though even though he is better at connecting with his fans on Twitter, yeah. are you really that excited about him trying to bash Davis about Davis's win over Gamboa? I mean, what is the purpose for that? I mean, what you know, is is he trying to get a fight with Davis and why would he want to get a fight with Davis? I mean, where's the enthusiasm that he should be going after, you know, like Danny Garcia, you know, who's got a scheduled fight or why, why, you know what I mean? Like, why should he not be attacking the other P well, not, I mean, cause uh, what's the name's on PBC, but he's a money team, but I, I just seem yeah, that it just feels yeah. like he should make that Twitter pl- a, a beef effort towards the guys from PBC a little bit more than he should against Davis. Well, my understanding is like uh, Money Team PBC are like separate, but kind of like kissing cousins. I don't exactly know what the arrangement is, but there is like that overlap. And, you know, Leonard Ellerby, who seems to be the the man behind um, the business side of the Money Team, appears to always support PBC and what they're doing. So, you know, to bring it back to your question, though, with uh, Terrence Crawford, he just strikes me as a very frustrated and upset uh, fighter. You know, we talked about this in the past show. He's clearly not happy with the fact that he is uh, kind of shut out of the top tier of the welterweight division in terms of fights. And apparently now he's concerned himself with things that are happening at 135 pounds. Why? Hmm. You know, I don't know. It could be that he wants to keep his name in uh, the, uh, the boxing headlines. It could be that, uh, you know, he sees this as an opportunity to kind of promote himself. I don't really understand it. I don't really, you know, I can't really say I obviously agree with it. I, you know, Terrence Crawford should really be focused on trying to make weights in and around, sorry, trying to make fights in and around his weight class. Um, was the Javante Davis win the best win? No, it was actually a pretty unimpressive win, especially when you, you know, find out that uh, Gamboa essentially partially tore his Achilles, which is a dreadful injury to, to get in any sporting event. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the play is there, David. What do you think? I don't know. I don't, I don't seem to understand it. Um, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I, I've seen some fans, some fans have emailed me and they said like, look, uh, is it his sole responsibility to chase these guys? Shouldn't these guys want to fight him? Uh, you know, it's just not on Crawford. Uh, but I, I hear the – yeah, I hear, I hear exactly what you're hearing, the frustration from Crawford. You know, um, I'm sorry, man. I'm losing my train of thought here. We've got a million things going on at, at once, so I'm trying to keep focus on what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I can't answer the text. He's, he's, he's frustrated. He's frustrated, uh, David, just to piggyback on what you said. He's he's definitely frustrated 
he hasn't really had a major fight since he's been at 147 pounds. He won the title from Jeff Horn. He's defended it against people that he was expected to, you know, just dominate and, and overpower. In his most recent fight, uh, he's, by many people's view, kind of struggled a bit for a while with a guy that he was really supposed to just dominate. And, you know, it could be deflection, it could be promotion, but regardless of what it is, I don't think that it's it's worthwhile. Um, you know, uh, I I just feel that that uh, Terrence Crawford, like you guys said, is frustrated. But you know, he should be frustrated at himself. He signed with top rank; nobody else did. He's the only one in top rank. It's his fault. Yeah, he could call out whoever he wants to call out. It's not. It's not going to get him the fights. If he wants to get the fights, then he needs to sign as the B side and the lesser side of the contract or something to get the bigger name fights. Stop trying to be, stop trying to be big dog talk, big fight, and then also demand big money. You're talking big fight. You're talking about you could be anybody up. Well, you're on the wrong side of the fence, buddy. Uh, sign a contract where you're going to take the lesser end of the cash deal and and, and get a chance to fight the big dog. It's, it, it's simple in my eyes. By the way, what what Terence Crawford is doing around my way. That's called Twitter fingers. Uh, you don't talk shit in person, yeah. but but you talk shit on social media. That's called Twitter fingers. Although he could definitely back his 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 trash talking up. Well, he's 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 went up to guys. I mean, just be fair, Kenny. He's actually went up to Errol Spence and told him in his face, "Let's fight." It's not like he's shied away from that, you know. And, but here's another thing: is that it's not like he hasn't asked for these fights. You know, the thing is that I don't think he's his frustration shouldn't go towards the fighters from PBC. His, his language of across the street, you know, he, he went along with that language and Errol Spence started bringing that up. And when at one time I believed he was honest about, I'm willing to cross that street. But when your fight is being offered, when, when Porter and the PBC universe are saying, Hey, fight Porter first. To me, that's the bone that they're throwing at him to see whether or not yeah. he's serious about Errol Spence. You know, I mean, Errol Spence has got to come back, recoup. He's still got to, you know, uh, 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 get healthy before there's real talks about it. So I think, I think, in my opinion, the incentive was fight Porter first because Porter's willing to dog out with anybody, whether how good of a friends we are. Porter's about his business. Porter's about his legacy. You know, and when Crawford started going into, I don't need that fight. I'm not interested in that fight. That to me was the crushing. That was the the crush of the whole conversation. Russian uh, conversation, in my opinion, where I was like, okay, see, don't start barking loud. And when somebody finally comes over and opens up the cage, you just say, you decide to say, oh, guess what? It's just too, it's too cold to go outside. I'm gonna stay in the, I'm gonna stay on, on my, on my pillow and my blanket. That's my problem with Crawford. You know, I think, I think Bob Arum would be willing to take on the Porter fight. It's not the contract that's stopping it. It's now literally you have to point the finger at Crawford. He's being a bit of a spoiled brat by saying, I don't want that fight. Whatever reason, he's my friend, he's this and that. Well, your buddy just showed right now, he's willing to throw that out the window for one special night of them two getting in the ring. Well, yeah, and I mean, his dad, trainer, coach, manager, Kenny Porter has said they're open to the fight. He's made that clear publicly. Now, maybe he doesn't want to 
a pick up a, a fight against the guy that's coming off a loss, but it was actually a very good loss. It was one of the better fights of 2019. And, you know, he has his term that he uses where he's talking about people, you know, uh, you know, eating off of his leftovers or whatever. Maybe he kind of looks at Porter as that. But really, what are his options? You know, uh, there aren't that many top-level fights for him at 147 pounds. You know, Sean Porter, uh, Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence, uh, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, Jordanis Ugas are all in the PBC domain. And you know? I agree. I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard for him to sit there and argue that nobody wants to fight him when I said, look, Al Heyman took, took a script from the playbook of Bob Arum. Keep it in the house. You know, keep it in house. Um, I had a few emails. They're like, well, you know, Bob is, you know, Dave, Amir, Amilcar and Kenny, you know, Bob has ventured out too. It's not just, you know, Bob. I'm not saying it's just not just Bob. But what I'm saying is we can't be mad at, at another promoter that's saying, listen, I'm going to exhaust all my resources before I come back to this one name that's from another promoter, you know? And so, it's not like Sean Porter has to fight Terrence Crawford. Sean Porter could fight, you know, Danny Garcia. Should Danny Garcia get past his next opponent, which is actually happening here in New York on January 25th, you know, Ivan Redcatch, right? I mean, these guys in right. the PBC have options. You know, the person who doesn't appear to have options, at least at 147, is uh, Terrence Crawford. Now, what I had thought they might be wanting to do would be to match him maybe with Jose Ramirez and move him up because he's fighting February 1st against Victor Postel, you know, or maybe a Josh Taylor um, kind of guy, the winner of that fight, or maybe try to draw it like a Regis Progress, again, bringing up people from 140, which is the division that he, uh, that he cleared out. But look, at 147, there are no big fights for Terrence Crawford outside of having humbling himself. And, and like you said, Kenny, taking maybe the shorter end of the stick against somebody in the PBC. He should. He should. Honestly, he should. He's and, and Nobody told Terrence Crawford to sign to top rank when there's no welterweight for him to fight. I'm not saying top rank doesn't do a good job or defies anything like that, but there's no one for him to fight there. The only person nobody. who signed top rank, the, the, the only person that told Terrence Crawford to sign with top rank was Terrence Crawford himself. So he has to bite the bullet. He took the big cash from top rank. Okay, cool. Now you're going to have to take the smaller cash and these fights and these main events if you even want to be part of these main events and go down as a great historical fighter because you're not going to get these fights for another five years because that's how much time is left on your contract with top rank. Got to think about the big picture. You know, tell me if I'm wrong here. Taking the fight with Porter, if we're talking about big cash, I mean, guys, he's going to make a big chunk of money there because this is a fight that – I keep seeing a lot of fight fans are saying, I want to see this fight. This would be – Porter took Errol Spence to the deep end and almost drowned him. So yeah. the imagination right now and the speculation that fans are having is Porter could possibly take Terrence Crawford to the real ultimate Walter Waite test. You know, I mean, if the green machine can drop him, what can Porter do? That's – See, that's what makes the drama of, of the sport, is if this guy can do this, 
Why can't this guy do that? And, and the only way we find out is by these fights happening. And the only person I see that's causing and creating a roadblock is Crawford. I would have been more of a savage if I was Al Heyman and, and PBC. I would have been like, look, wait until after February 1st. We've got your Dennis Ugas fighting Mike Dallas Jr. You know, you could fight the winner of that. Oh, I know. <laughs> God. It, 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 yeah. It, isn't Sean Porter uh, PB as well? I think Ugas Crawford's a decent fight. I I, you know? I think it is too, but it's not. I don't think it's going to be the in, in, in terms of demand. Porter and Crawford is the one that is yeah, more but sellable. It, you I know. Agree. But isn't is is Porter PBC? Yes. Yes. So that's not going to happen either. No, no, it what is I'm because saying, Porter and them already said they'll do it. They said they'll do it. You got the green so light. Oh. Here's, here, here's, here's what I'm saying. Look, your Dennis Ugas is actually ranked higher than Kavalishkis. I think he's a much better boxer than Kavalishkis. Why is that about that? But that, that doesn't matter, though, Kenny. Why, why? I mean, you could, on paper, you could be a much better, better uh, fighter. You know, you could, you yeah. can have, you could technically more sound, but you know what? If the fans, if you can't draw in the fans, then that fight – now, that fight there doesn't make any sense. I could hear Crawford say yeah, I, I, that fight makes no was, sense for me, you know? I was, I was and, being and, kind and, of and, uh, and disrespectful, but to be honest, when I said that. But if anyone thinks that uh, Kavalishkis was, was, drawing, was drawing flies, that they don't know what, really what they're talking about. He wasn't a draw in boxing. I don't think, I don't no. think anybody but, thinks Kavalishkis was uh, – whatever have you say his name is part of no disrespect – I don't. I don't yeah. think that anybody thinks that he was uh, drawing major crowds. Uh, I just think that uh, when you stand them up and, and and you look at Crawford in front of Kavadiaskis, to think Kavadiaskis looks like way more of a po- an opponent than Ugas. Not only that, Ugas is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong, but he only fought one time, or, uh, or I, th- I don't even think he's ever fought since Sean Porter. I'm, don't I, don't quote me. But the yeah, guy he, did, he, fight, Omar, he did. He beat Omar Figueroa Jr. Back in July. Yeah, the, 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 guy, the guy doesn't fight as often as I would like to see him fight. And although he's great, uh, he fought great against Sean Porter. He took an L against Sean Porter. Unfortunately, I disagree with those scorecards. But you can't really say, oh, because he did great against Sean Porter, let's put him in against uh, Terrence Crawford. I see the facetious, I, 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 disrespectful you know thing that you're talking about, though. I'm just, I'm just saying, what right does he have to dictate to the PBC who he fights? That's all I'm saying. He doesn't have any. He doesn't Agreed. have any right. But look, if we're talking in terms of this, okay, when he fought the mean the mean machine, that's because that guy was filtered in that house, uh, which is top rank. Okay, that's why that was made yeah. because he had no say about that. But with this one here, if we're talking about money, Ugas is going to want a bigger chunk, okay, of facing an undefeated Terence Crawford. That's the biggest fight of his career. He's going to ask yeah. for certain things that top rank can't promise. Or, or, or doesn't want to dip into Crawford's purse because he has a guarantee of what he has to make. That's what I'm saying. The Ugas one wouldn't make any sense because if Ugas wants, you know, wants a bigger chunk of the purse, and PBC obviously is going to bat for that guy. Yeah, Dave, there's I'm no not really, there's no makes, money in that pot to play it, with. I'm not, I'm not saying it makes any sense. What I'm saying is that you know, does it make sense? Him trying to call shots with, with the PBC and him, you know, getting on Twitter and talking about a PBC fighter, sorry, a, a money team fighter at 135 pounds, right? 
I threw out a That's ridiculous scenario. It makes no sense. He's throwing out ridiculous scenarios. It it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make he's, it doesn't make sense at all. You know, I don't know if it's frustration because these guys won't fight him, or is it frustration because he's he's seeing the light of what happened when he inked that contract with Bob Arum. There's a lot of scenarios. I mean, look, we're just making assumptions here. We're not saying that we know exactly where where the road is leading to. But what I'm saying is. If anything, Sean Porter, whether it's where it's going to be, the attendance of people showing up, and the money that's being involved, that makes complete sense. So to hear a fighter that's been asking to fight Errol Spence, and maybe that's what it is too, guys. Maybe it's that he only wants to fight Errol Spence. He doesn't want to fight any of the other guys from PBC. He only wants to fight the guy that is also has grips on the throne of the welterweight division. That's the only good, that's the only uh, uh, visible person in his mind right now that's in way of his greatness. Maybe that's what it is. Fighters are very stubborn. Fighters are very superstitious, you know. And maybe he feels I can't face these other guys. My motivation probably won't be there. This is the only guy that I want to fight at PBC. But then contradicting because you're facing a lot of other Joes that shouldn't have gotten that chance to face him. Just so much stuff in boxing. It's frustrating, but at the same time we all hope that whatever road these guys are going they're eventually going to meet and it's going to be electric. I'm not quite sure. Fight fans, you want to call in 347-215-7598. Let's talk boxing here on Leaving the Ring. Let's go on. Yeah. I I was just going to ask you a a question, David. Instead of talking about uh, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's it's interesting and I enjoy talking about it, but, you know, we've got Jesse Hart, Joe Smith Jr., um, January 11th. We got guys signed up to to fight, you know, there's there's actual guys who signed their names to to fight that I think are worthy of uh of discussion. Do we, do we have a caller? Right. No, we can we can take some time. Go for it. What do you want to talk about? All right. So you know, Jesse Hart, uh, Joe Smith Jr. Um, it's taking place not too far from us here in New York, actually, on January the 11th. You know, Joe Smith Jr. is known as a as a power punching guy. Uh, right. Jesse with only Hart, a right hand. Uh, with only a right hand. Um, you know, the same right hand he used to ice uh, Hopkins. Right. And honestly, as a Bernard Hopkins fan, guy who grew up watching Bernard Hopkins, that was actually a sad sight to see him ending his, his career like that. But, you know, Jesse Hart's a smaller guy who's kind of come up into the heavyweight weight class. Uh, what do you think of, 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 that, of that matchup? It's not the most exciting matchup, but what, what do you think? I actually am excited about that matchup. I think it is a good matchup for Hart. I think that yeah. uh, if anything, what really should – if the only person in this match that have major concerns should be Smith, Joe Smith Jr., because he has proven that he's very one-dimensional. You know, I mean, even Kelly Pavlik had more punches in his arsenal than this kid. And he did. And we, he got out boxed badly by Bevo. Right. You know, and and Smith was lucky enough to get Hopkins really at the tail end of his career. The only one that didn't want to admit that he was over was was Hopkins. You know, um, 
But I mean, look, I, I think what Smith is that what I like about him is he does have a termination. He does have a, a, a huge right hand. But I, what what he lacks is what gets him in trouble. If I don't see him trying to use his jab, uh, trying to create space with a with a sword jab or anything else other than just allowing the guy to dictate the pace and then he lands a big right, it's gonna the the the. Every time out, it's going to end this with the same result for Smith, you know. But but then again, Smith does have that, you know, eraser. He can't stop you. He can catch Hart and and then make Hart forget everything he's learned in boxing, <laughs> you know, and well, end up on his back. So it's an interesting fight. But I honestly, I'm I'm picking Hart. I think Hart um, is just a far better fighter, you know. And I think that Smith is going to be looking for a KO. He doesn't work for it. He just finds it by throwing his right hand. And 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 as you know, and I know, and everybody else that are hardcore boxing fans, we all know yeah. that only works for so long. It does. It does. And you look at the at the top of the light heavyweight division, guys like Baturvia, Bivol, I think Canelo's moved down now, but Gavaznik, uh, Pascal, you do have good fighters there. Um, I kind of see this fight as a, I don't want to call it a last chance, but uh, an opportunity for the winner to put themselves into the mix. Whereas I see the loser kind of going into oblivion. You know what I mean? In terms of, you know, we probably won't see them on a major major card, at least as a co-main event or, or main event anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I also expect... Uh, Smith to get to get outboxed, um, outboxed in this fight. Yeah, um, another another question for you, Dave. The, we we didn't talk about this the the last time we spoke, but are you at all interested in the Garcia Vargas fight that's going to be taking place in in, in Texas in February? The, I am. I think Garcia, that's actually a really good fight. fight? Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, do I. I. How, do you, I don't... how do you see it? You know, you know. Here's the thing that, that Vargas. Look, Vargas is not the most like special uh, guy out there. You know what I mean? He's not like he's not the guy that's gonna um, outbox you. He's not the guy that's gonna outmaneuver you. Uh, he's the guy. That, he's a workhorse. You know, he's 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 good at just. Being just okay with his skills, and he's gotten by with it. You know, he's got decent power. He's got a really good chin, and when he's able to put combinations, he does it. His problem, in my opinion, Emil, is that he doesn't cut off the ring, doesn't cut off very yeah. well. Uh, he doesn't use the jab as often. He uses it for a short bit, but it, it gets exhausted. It ends up just kind of fizzles away from everything else. Um, the other thing is that he kind of falls in love and just staring at you and, and waiting for what you're going to do. He anticipates what that other guy is going to do. And I think that's just – that's a bad way sometimes. It's a bad habit, and it's a very hard habit to shake off because it's almost like that sparring partner syndrome, right? He's got that sparring partner syndrome, and I don't think he's ever gotten away with that. He's had how many – he's had more trainers on his corner than Oscar De La Hoya in his career. Yeah, and you know he's failing one other thing too, and it's punching power. 
unfortunately. Um, he just doesn't really have much of a knockout punch. And I don't really think that Danny, Gar- sorry, that uh, Mikey Garcia should be fighting at 147 pounds personally, unless it's because he can't make the weight anymore. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. I think he should have been really fighting at 135 pounds, and the fight I really wanted to see was the fight with Loma. But that never ended up developing because he moved all the way up to take on Spence. And now he kind of seems hell-bent on proving himself as a valid 147-pounder. Well, you know what? To me, there are much more compelling fights for him, realistic fights for him at 140, especially now that he's signed with the zone. I mean, Josh Taylor's there. Regis Prograce is there. Maurice Hooker is there. And um, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you've got guys that, that fight for top rank. Maybe that might be an issue. But well, I think. 100- Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I think the safe, the safe bet is that Mikey Garcia, Team Garcia, and manager slash promoter Al Heyman see the safe bet of Mikey Garcia maybe outboxing Jesse Vargas, and it leads the road leads to Danny Garcia. No, I think that's I, the fight I, I, that they're looking for, right? <clears throat> isn't isn't uh, isn't I could be wrong, but I thought that uh, Jesse Vargas was kind of uh, uh, with the zone now, at least on a fight by fight basis. I, I'm I'm not too sure. I just don't don't know where what this fight leads to. I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I think it's probably going to go the distance. I think we're going to see a lot, a lot of good boxing, a lot of you know defensive boxing, a lot of counter punching. Um, at times, we might even see some some flurries and some volume punching, but I, I really kind of see a tactical fight. Um, I see a lot of maybe counter punching, and mostly from from Garcia. Maybe he'll catch him with something. But I mean, what does this prove if he wins this fight? It doesn't prove anything. This fight to me is like a throwaway fight. It's just like, hey, let's keep uh, fights busy with some recognizable names on the zone uh, because. You know, let's be honest here. At the end of the year, we've been hearing a lot of, I'm I'm dropping my subscription. I'm leaving my yeah. my, my subscription to zone to the zone. You know, I, I think this is just to keep the dates, the schedule going with some really recognizable names. And Mikey Garcia, it's 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 you know you can't argue he's a very recognizable name. But I think if anything, you know. To me, the safe bet, like I said, Jesse Vargas doesn't do anything great. He's a durable, he's a durable guy to have across from you and make you look good if you can if you can do that to him, if you can outbox him, outmaneuver him, not get into a complete slug slugfest. Because I don't think, in my opinion, Mikey Garcia, you don't want to get in a slugfest with Jesse uh, 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 Vargas because Jesse is a bigger man. He's a more comfortable guy. At 147 one, and 154, you know, Absolutely. I think they want to they stay away from that. But beating Jesse Vargas, to me, only the reason, the only why, the only reason, from, in my opinion, you would make that, that fight and that bet is because you're hoping that that leads to Danny Garcia. Because that's a much better sellable fight because you can, you could, you could, you know, label it as Puerto Rico versus Mexico, you know. 
So that's that's what the only reason I could see. I could fathom in my head. You know, Jesse Vargas being with the zone to me is just a guy that's on hold on stable. He's a he's a gladiator. You remember the Running Man? You remember that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Of course, the Running Man. Yeah, and when the contestant, right? You remember that? And when the contestant beat the 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 supposed superhero or hero. Uh, you know, the telecast, if they beat him, yeah. they called on the next soldier to come out. That's what Jesse Vargas and anybody else signed the zone exclusively to the zone. That's exactly what they are, man. You know, that's all they are. They don't have David, any. David, that is a, that is a brilliant analogy. I, I don't know where you pulled that one from, but that's absolutely brilliant. No, that's pretty much exactly what they are. You know, next, mm-hmm. next man up, who are we going to pull next out? Next man up. Exactly. Right. Exactly, man. You know, you know. Hopefully, yeah. So, look, I, I kind of like, like you said, he's a smaller guy. I expect him to try to outbox. Mm-hmm. I expect him to kind of try to counterpunch uh, his way to uh, to victory. But where does the victory take him? I don't really. I, I don't. I I honestly don't know. A uh, quick question for you, Dave. Luke Keeler is getting an opportunity to take on Demetrius Andrade. Uh, thoughts? Is, is this going to go? Is, uh, similarly, does this do anything for Andrade's career? You, you keep mentioning I, these fights that got me yawning, buddy. I'm not even – I haven't even said a comment in a while because I'm over here like, whoa, whoa like, man, this guy had – I can only imagine our listeners right now. They're like, whoa, what, what, this is boring as hell, these fights that these guys are talking about. But I know, I know, I know, I know. I know what you're doing, setting light on all the Terry picks and all the I like Demetrius, man. I, I, I don't I know why it. you don't like him. I like Demetrius Andrade. I, I like the, the pure uh, – style of boxing that he brings yeah is he exciting no man but you know what my i don't know about you guys well i actually kenny just uh he just laid out how he feels about certain styles and stuff uh, um but I, I sometimes like the break from brutality i sometimes like to be reminded what boxing it really is which is is a sweet science of hit and not get hit you know, I, I think that we live in a generation now where everything's such fast track that if it's not today, it's not right now, at this moment, then it's not good. You know, um, Demetrius to me brings that they embodies the old the old school guys that really try to learn that art form of just throwing punches and being able to slip through the cracks and not be touched. You know. Uh, Nassim Richard just say swim without getting swim without getting wet, which I never understood what that analogy was. But <laughs> <laughs> but there's fighters like mm-hmm. Willie Pep, Pernell Whitaker, uh, you know, uh, even like Jorge Paez, the the clown prince of boxing before he started getting hit while he's older. Uh, you know, yeah. those guys those guys really showed me what boxing truly was supposed to be. You know, that's what made that's what separated the prize fighters from the brawlers. And so I, I like what Demetrius brings to the table, but just like every, like the Willie Peps of the world and the Pernell Wickers of the world, they need the, the bipolar opposite. And they just can't seem, Demetrius Andrade just can't get those fights, can he? I don't think it's his fault. I mean, you got a lot of media guys and YouTube people that are basically, you know, Telling you that he's not good enough. He doesn't deserve. Is it really deserve or is it because they're afraid that their main fighter or whoever they're cheerleading for 
may lose to a guy that's very, very difficult to touch. He's not like Lomachenko's a hard dude to touch, but Lomachenko, what makes Lomo special is that he's willing to take certain risks to be great. Can you yeah, say like Demetrius is not willing to take those risks? I'm not sure because guess what? Those risks are not willing to give him that risk. Exactly. I mean, look, there's four champions at middleweight. Actually, there's more because of the bullshit that the WBA does. But you've got Demetrius Andrade. You have uh, Gennady Golovkin, who beat uh, Devonchenko for the IBF title. There's WBA champ Canelo Alvarez, super champ. Then you have WBC, which is uh, Jamal Charlo. Then you also have the WBA regular, who's uh, Ryota Murata from Japan, who, who won his last fight. Um, and then, obviously, there's Chris Drewbank Jr., who won the WBA interim title. Too many titles, too many people. But th- does Demetrius get any kind of shot at any of these guys at middleweight? You know, again, kind of the problem that Terrence Crawford is facing is similar to – actually, it's a little bit different because a lot of the people that are in his weight class and in his in his division, sorry, are with the zone. But it's just people not wanting to fight him. Um, the, I, I I kind of only see an opportunity here if he if he decides to move up. I don't know really if that's fair for him, but do you guys realistically see any of the people I just mentioned agreeing to fight Andrade if he beats? I don't see it happening anytime soon. To tell you the truth, no. No. I I mean, look, Canelo. I don't think, and people are going to say Canelo's ducking him, but I think what it is with Canelo is it's over, it's done. I've I've faced. uh, you know, uh, Arizlami Lara. I, I faced Floyd Mayweather. I've, uh, 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 what's the name? Uh, Austin Trout. Trout. Yeah, I faced guys with the similar similar styles. And guess what? I, I Maybe, I think he's finally realized that, that those styles just do not fit him well. I mean, I, I've said this numerous times. When he fought Gennady Golovkin, his success was when Gennady decided to fight like a true European slash Mexican style, right? Coming forward, willing to trade. But when, when Gennady Golovkin was smart enough to see that I'm not winning this, this, you know, bull versus bull, you know, our horns, I'm not getting the better up on him with my horns. I need to stop and become the manador. And when he started doing that, the ole was for Gennady Golovkin. It was Canelo that was now struggling to play, to catch up, to cut off the ring, to put damage to Triple G, and that's why those fights were so close, so intriguing. That's why fans are asking for a, a rubber match. So I don't see Demetrius getting that opportunity against Canelo because right now Canelo is at the top of the hill that he can do. Arnold Schwarzenegger said it best, you know, when you're on the top of the hill, when you're the when you're the line on top of the hill, you decide when you want to come down to the valley and pick what you want to eat. When you're king, you make those decisions. And when you feel, you know, when you feel like I can eat this or I can eat that. So Demetrius, to me, has to pressure the other belt holders to face him and hope that the cash money cow, you know, takes notice of him and says, okay, all right, you've been waiting long enough. Let's, let's do it. I don't see Gennady Golovkin doing that either. Unless Gennady just finally gets over his obsession over Canelo and realizes that there are other guys out there that could potentially help him write up his legacy. I don't know. Canelo's like, 
Canelo's like Glenn Close in, in Fatal Attraction, chasing after Michael Douglas to use a movie analogy. <laughs> Uh, well, he makes he needs to make Demetrius his bunny rabbit in the boiling yeah, pot. Yeah, he needs to start bringing around the, the bunny rabbit in the boiling pot. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean that's the only way. Look, oh. I think that that or rematch rematch uh, uh, the kid that he struggled with. Uh, uh, Dermanchenko. Yeah, Dermanchenko. Rematch him. You know, there's a meme right now that's out of uh, of uh, uh, the Narco series from Netflix. Have you ever seen that? Uh, with uh, yeah. Pablo Escobar, where he's just like standing out, and he's like looking out the di- out in the distance, and he's sitting on the bench. He looks all sad and all that. And that's what I kind of vision what the Gennady Golovkin fans look right now, because they're just like, man, when is he gonna fight son? So you know, when is he gonna announce his next fight? When is what is when is the next big thing for the Gennady Golovkin? Don't get me wrong, I like Gennady Golovkin. You know, I know he's turned off a lot of people, but I like what he does in the ring. You know, outside the ring, uh, uh, you know, his decisions of waiting for Canelo, uh, to me, it really has hurt uh, all the possibilities of what he could be right now because he's been so hung and, 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 and obsessed. He's, he's, like I told you before, he's become Marquez for Pacquiao. Uh, I, I'm very happy that you're referring to the man as Gennady Golovkin and not Triple G because that's starting to seem like two different people to me. Uh, Triple G to, <laughs> was a guy that was in the ring knocking dudes out left and right. Gennady Golovkin is this new old version that's ducking and dodging. I mean, he was always supposedly ducking and dodging. But Gennady Golovkin is this new old version that kind of looks washed up. He ain't knocking people out left and right. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he just looks slower in the ring. He's getting hit a lot more. He's getting marked up. He just he, He's just not as... Uh, uh, he doesn't have the same ring generalship he did before, and he's just not like the. T- he doesn't seem like the top dog anymore. Well, so when you're fighting guys that are actual went... elite fighters, it changes everything too, Kenny. When you're fighting guys that but are really hard to 160, it's very difficult to not. I mean, it's every listen. It's every champion that finally faces um, real true competition. You know, you're supposed to go. You're supposed to blow out the guys. They're supposed that were put in front of you for for a stepping stone, right? You're supposed to do that, but when you finally start stepping up and facing guys that that are are real middleweights or really in their prime, it's it's very hard. I don't knock any Gennady Golovkin for for not knocking out these guys. You know, I, I think I, that we're go ahead, Amilcar. David, what I heard Kenny say was that Golovkin went from being Gennady Triple Gangster Golovkin to Gennady Money Golovkin. Is is that kind of accurate, oh, Kenny? I, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Wow. Um, you know, that was the aura that he had. Nobody wants to F with this guy. He will knock out anybody in front of him. You know, he's destroying people left, right, and center. But as you put it, David, this is a guy who early on was being fed lower-level competition. And as he got into the higher echelons of, of the sport and of the division – you know, the blowout victory started to become razor-thin uh, decisions for his opponent. You know? Right. right. So that, that leads me to the question. Yeah. What high-level opponent has Triple G faced? Okay, I know I know two of them. Uh, Canelo and Dervyanchenko. Okay, who else besides that? Well, he fought a Danny Jacob, Danny, 
Jenny Dacre, Bar- yeah, and Jenny and yep. Kasim Uma gave him hell early on, and gave Kasim Uma early on, right? Went, and Kasim uh, Uma was not a natural middleweight J- either. J- Jacob Jacobs was great. Okay, cool. Jacobs was great. Well, Uma, well, cool. Whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll put him. We'll put him on this. <laughs> there's nobody else. I mean, you 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 could make the argument that after that, his best win is David Lemieux. David Lemieux, Macklin. I mean, there's got look. We, I mean, we we could sit here and look at his whole resume. You know, Macklin was was beaten by Sergio Martinez. Uh, he was a tough competitor, um, but these guys weren't ever destined to be, you know, the next big thing in the division. Uh, you know, the thing with Gennady Golovkin, he was he was being fed guys he was supposed to beat. Why? Because he was waiting for two things: guys to finally fight him, and he was chasing the money, even before. The whole aura of him, he could knock out anybody. He was chasing the money. I mean, let's not forget, you know, when, when, when he was climbing up the rankings, he was on leaving the ring saying him and, and Abel Sanchez, when they were a team, they both were saying, we'll fight Andre Ward. We'll move up to 168 and we'll fight Floyd Mayweather. We can move down. We can do up and down. We can do the wish wash. We can do whatever you guys want. You know, when they were on leaving the ring, they said, we don't want Miguel Cotto. We want the WBC belt. It just happens that Miguel Cotto has the belt. We don't want, you know, it, it, and it just it just moved on more and more and more, you know. So even then he was chasing the money. Even then he understood that as a prize fighter, and you can't knock him for this. I mean, come on. That's what that's that's why it's coined prize fighter. They're fighting for a prize, you know. But what I but what I'm saying, my argument is this. Don't be surprised that he's not knocking out guys right now in his career because guess what? Now he's facing guys that honestly are trying to stay where they're at. They are, they are the best. That's why, to me, it'd be a very impressive win if he rematched Dermanchenko, knocks him out, or he takes on Demetrius Andrade because right now Demetrius Andrade is in the same shoes that he once was in. Not in the same shoes of saying that he knocked everybody out, but in terms of claiming... I'm the guy that nobody wants to fight. Gennady Golovkin yeah. should have a little bit of a soft heart in that part and understand what Demetrius is feeling right now, being that nobody wants to be in the sandbox with him and play with him at all. I, I agree with that. And one, one weight class down, I think one fight that we'll all pretty much agree that is, is exciting and worthwhile looking forward to is the Julian Williams-Jason uh, Rosario fight. Uh, for the IBF WBA junior middleweight title, it's a unified championship fight. Um, this Williams first, first, yeah. Well, you know the the thing about Thank Williams you, is that. Welcome. I'm. Thank you. I didn't have to say. About, Kenny said it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm about okay. to start popping up cherries on the screen every time that I say that any one of us says cherry pick. Cherry's gonna start popping up on the screen. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You're not. You're not interested. Well, look. Is it? Is it a fight of the year candidate fight? Are we expecting something like that? No. But you know, it's a fight featuring a a, a unified champion. In a division, Kenny, 154, that I know is one of your favorite divisions because we actually spent a while talking about that yesterday. So I, I, I thought that, that you might be interested in but why don't you explain why you're not interested in it? Uh, well, he 
be they, he should be fighting some of the bigger fish. You know, uh, uh, if anything, I would much rather see a rematch with Heard. You know, uh, I would much rather see um, I forgot his name. Uh, oh, Eris Landy Lara. Uh, I would much rather see uh, Harrison uh, Charlo. You know, I, the list could go on of, of names that I would much rather see that are better opposition for a unified champion at 154. You know, what happened to Hurd, man? I mean, seriously, he's, he's gone in. He's, he's gotten incognito, guys. He's he's gone. He really has, bro. Know. You know, I don't know where. It, it, the worst thing about it was that the, the, that he. I haven't seen him sparring. I haven't seen him give an interview. I haven't seen him box anything. Right then, the first interview that I see him give is the interview. Him talking bad about Charlo, saying that Charlo is too emotional and has no heart, and that that's the reason that Charlo's gonna lose. He, he should fat, be focusing yo. on getting his belt back and getting his heart back. He just got beat up badly. That's that's yeah. we know what though. Look, when you're beat up that bad, and this, we got to admit, Williams took his soul. He did a yeah, he, he did, did the Mortal Combat. You know what I mean? He did a Mortal Combat on on yeah. Heard. It's really hard to come back from that. It's really really hard. I'll be surprised that Heard isn't even the same. You know, that's got to be really just. He's got to be waking up in sweat that Williams was able to fight blow. his game plan and push him back. What was that? I said it's a serious blow, and, and honestly, it's the only reason I kind of give Anthony Joshua a pass for fighting the way he did against Andy Ruiz because it had to be very difficult to get off off the floor so many times, get humiliated like that in New York, and then have to go back and fight the guy that did it to you. And to his credit, he was able to do it. It sounds like what you're saying, David, is that you don't think Hurd is capable of coming back with that kind of a performance. Well, I mean, has he looked like – look, there's a difference with AJ right now. When AJ got stopped, right, yeah. and he went back home, you know what he did? He did some soul searching. He decided yeah. to find out really if he was a warrior. I'm not saying that Hurd is not a warrior, okay? But what I'm saying is that – that there are particular fighters, there are certain fighters that go against the grain of being told it's over, right? They actually seem to like the odds against them at all times. I think AJ fell asleep of, of, of fell asleep that that boxing can change the change of guard in boxing is so easy, so simple. It's always one punch away. It's always one decision away. You got to be on your toes. You know, boxing is a truth teller. I've always said this, said this years back. You know, boxing is a truth teller. It's going to tell us whether or not you, you trained, whether or not you got the balls to stay in there, and whether or not you're going to come back from a beating. Heard right now has not shown me an ounce of whether or not it was a bad night or the better man beat me, but I'm going to be better the second time around. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that, that, that motivation from him. You know, you know, I've always said, I always tell my kids this, talking shit is just a whistle in the wind. It just, just, just ends up fizzling out and disappearing. You know, it's your actions that really show what you want. And I don't think Hurd wants anything to do with Williams. Maybe he's sitting back. Maybe the strategic plan is to sit back and let Williams fight and get a little, um, Get a little uh, war, war and torn. I don't know. You know that doesn't make sense. Yeah, 
It doesn't make sense. That but, was- you know, we don't know. You know, sometimes a fighter, you know, let me ask you this. Let me ask you guys this. And, and yeah. really search your memory here. Tell yeah. me what, 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 give me one name of the last fighter that has told, has said publicly and openly, I'm afraid. Uh, I, 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 I don't know of any. Any, right? I, doesn't ring, doesn't ring a uh, bell. Doesn't ring one bell, right? But I'll tell you what, how about motivations of what they're doing? Like avoiding a fight. Or, yeah. you know, staying hang, hang tight, waiting for other guys to fight it off before they step back into the ring. Waiting for the right opponent to step in the ring. Those are forms, in calling my out, opinion. Calling out, yeah. calling out guys in their 40s for fights. Yeah. And then right. saying that they're scared. Well, that was another dig at Terrence Crawford because he did I, that. I, but. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just think that, that uh, Heard, like you said, uh, uh, J-Rock took Heard's soul like Shang Shun. He just swallowed his soul completely, and it is what it is. It's going to take some time for Heard to get back. And the thing is that, see, Heard went so far in that weight division because he was so big. So it has had such big length and such big body and weight and so much more muscle than everybody else in that division. So he was just going in there pretty much bulldozing everybody or trucking everybody like if it was light, eating all their hits like if it was cotton. You know, uh, now he, it, it, it's much different now. He, he, he finally faced somebody uh, with boxing skill, although he did face Eris Landy Lauer, which has a lot of boxing skill. And Eris Landy Lauer beat him the entire fight, but guess what? Eris Landy Lara got overpowered at the end of the fight. He couldn't take that power, that size, for 12 rounds. At the, he was uh, fighting uh, on yeah. so, so at, at, so at the end of that yeah. fight, he, 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 he abused them with the body size. Now he Ooh. went to somebody who's just slightly bigger than Eris Landy Lara that has maybe similar boxing ability to Eris Landy Lara. And what happened? The guy got knocked down, it was it the second or third round, and abused, outboxed, outclassed for the whole fight. The guy has to go back to the books like Anthony Joshua did, not only do some soul searching, but he needs to work on his whole boxing ability and stop focusing on that just physical muscle bodybuilding regimen that he had going on. You know, or losing a lot of weight and getting big again on fight day, because that's his, like his biggest strategy, the ability right. to lose a lot of weight and then gain a lot of weight for the fight. So I, I take it I take it to mean that you both think that that this is a win for for J Rock, right? I don't know. I mean, look, let me let me just go back really quick and make my points, and then I'll talk about this, yeah. if, whether or not J Rock wins this. I think he should. Yeah. But here's here's three things <clears throat> that we need to point out. One, mm-hmm. J Rock came with a good game plan. They actually studied tape of her. Okay. Yeah, great game plan. Uh, second one was they asked for testing. Think about this. Her didn't test when he fought Arislandi. Her didn't test any uh, any other time. The first time he tested, guess what? He seemed like a normal sluggish guy. Didn't seem like the normal herd mm-hmm. that comes on, you know, brings on the train. I'm not saying that he Great was on anything, you. but I'm also saying, though, that for some reason, testing obviously made him something that we were not used to seeing. Here's the third thing. When I started covering the sport, I went down to see Jack Mosley. Uh, Jack Mosley, and at that time, Jack Mosley and 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 Shane Mosley, his son, were really campaigning hard to fight Floyd Mayweather. But instead, 
they were going to take on Antonio Margarito. The major concern was because Antonio, Antonio Margarito had just bulldozed over Miguel Cotto, which a lot of folks that Miguel Cotto should have had won that fight, right? So I'm sitting across Jack Mosley, and I said to him, what makes you guys believe, because Shane has not looked in the best of what he used to when he fought like Adrian Stone or when he beat Oscar De La Hoya. He doesn't look like the same guy. He's an older fighter, and he tends to throw one punch at a time. What makes you guys think this is the match you guys have been waiting for and wanting? Because he told me, this is the match we wanted. When Golden Boy offered, we jumped on it immediately. And he said two things yeah. to me that were very interesting. He said, one, Shane Mosley from Pomona. All we've ever fought are Mexicans. We love Mexicans. We grew up around Mexicans. We know their style. Shane is a lot, in a lot of ways, is Mexican, Dave. Two, when you have a man that's overly confident, when a man that's been able to go out there and destroy guy after guy or win after win, confidence sometimes can be a man's worst enemy. Why? Because they oversee a lot of things. Heard, going back to Heard and Williams, I think that was one of Heard's biggest problems. He was being told he was the next Antonio Margarito. This guy was bulldozing over everybody. Maybe he didn't Maybe he didn't pay, pay, pay attention well enough of what J-Rock was bringing to the table and oversaw everything that J-Rock was going to do that night. That's why he couldn't adjust. But I think, too, a little bit with that testing, throw it in there, and guess what? We just had the right potion. Yeah, and I, I agree with every one of those points, Dave. They're all great points. The other thing I'll say about Heard, have you ever seen him adjust his style to an opponent that he's fighting? It never happened. It to. seems like... Every fight is just a war of attrition where right. he's going to eat and eat and eat and then start to land. Glutna. Isn't that what you call it? Gluttony or whatever? <laughs> the same He actually ate a lot of punches and then would, you know, wear, wear his opponents down. It was a style that I never, ever thought would be long sustaining for him, you know? I mean, I've never seen anybody in, box, in boxing sustain a career off of being way bigger and way more muscular than the other guy and take that into their 40s. I've never seen that go far. No, not at all. So, so again, J-Rock, you know, Kenny, you said you're not that excited about it. It sounds like both, uh, you know, David and I think that, that he's likely going to win this fight against Rosario. I think it's going to be possibly uh, an interesting fight. Um, just because I, I kind of really I, want I, to I think, Rock I, I think, I think, I think it is going to be interesting because like I mentioned, confidence sometimes can be a, be a fighter's uh, worst enemy. Uh, J-Rock seems to be on top of the world. Uh, you know, J-Rock is pounding at the table that everybody should take testing, which I agree with them. You know, if you're going to fight for the, for the title, you should test. But I also think I that agree. if you are asking for that, it should be all year round, not just three or four months away from the title fight. Practice what you preach. That's what I believe, you know, and I've actually expressed that to J-Rock on Twitter. He never responded back to me, but I said that. Practice what you preach. Why don't you enroll in the year round? I do like that he's campaigning, you know, a uh, 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 test and stuff, but do it all year round, you know. Donaire did it. Uh, uh, you know, Canelo did it. Canelo stopped from it. Why? Because nobody else wanted to follow suit. Nobody wanted to do it. You know, um, 
So I think with J-Rock, to me, to me, guys, he's a throwaway champion. And, and what do I mean by that is that in, in any given night, I think he get, get he can get beaten. There's no, to me, there's no solid ground with so him. Too. Oh, I agree. He, he already mean? has been. He already has I been. I agree. I agree. Right? And he, he, I this is why I think he's vulnerable, and I, I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I mean, I expect him to win, but I, it's not so much of a – well, I always watch every fight anyways, but I, it, it's, it's still enough of an intrigue for me. Now, David, you know, I've been throwing out some fights that I have not necessarily got your guys' attention and excitement going, but I think the next one will. Again, it's on the undercard of the Andrade Kaler fight in Miami, January 30th. Tevin Farmer, Joseph Diaz. Oh, yeah. 12 round IBF junior lightweight title. I'm, I'm buzzed about this one. What about you, Dave? Oh, yeah. I'm really buzzed about this one. You know, I think Farmer originally was taking so much heat from fans, but you know what? He listened. And you gotta love a fighter that was trying to think like a business guy. And I don't like, I don't knock down fighters, man, that think long-term or think about money, about their money, okay, about the investment. Their investment is their hands, their body, right? I never knock that. Why? I'm going to tell you why, because in the 80s, in the 90s, anytime you would hear a a fighter getting beat up and and then in the end of his career, he, he ended up homeless and he ended up with nothing, we would say, Man, I wish our fighters would get smarter. I wish somebody would help them, you know, understand the business part of of boxing. Well, when they do that, guess what? I mean, you get so many people coming at them going, no, we want you to be stupid. Stay stupid. You know, stay stupid that you're not getting paid what you're supposed to get paid. And when I hear a fighter go like, no, man, I have a value. You know, like you guys got a value. You know, I I get I go to work and some I, I hear this all the time. You know, I'll go to I'll go to a job and 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 a customer I'll give the estimate to a customer I'll tell him like it's all four hundred bucks and the guy will be like oh man can't you do it for way cheaper like do it for a hundred bucks and I ask them Crap. all the time this is and I shit you not this is what I really say to right. customers that tell me this I go what is it that you do for a living and I'll have a guy go oh I'm an electrician or I'm an engineer and I say do you get paid salary or an hourly base. And nine yeah. out of ten, they're going to say sell, uh, 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 hourly, right? And I say, okay, so when you work for eight hours and your boss comes in the, in, to your workstation and says, hey, Kenny, I know you work eight, but, dude, you think you can put in clock in only five? <laughs> right. Right? And that's that the end of the discussion. Good. That's the end of yeah, the discussion. Well, you know? Unfortunately, I think we've all been there and we all feel feel like, like slapping the hell out of somebody <laughs> when, when the recording. <laughs> like that is main. <laughs> when, right? when it comes to boxing though it's a, you know yeah. I think it's it's slightly different because in boxing I feel like uh, they much they have not much more they have a little much more control over their fortune for example uh, uh, you know think about like a How scale so? you know what, what, think, think about like a scale right one side you have money the other side you have a, a, a hall of fame career you know, uh, you go too much to one side, to the money side, your Hall of Fame career is out the door. Don't even think about that. You go too much to the other side, the Hall of Fame career. Well, you know what? If you go towards the Hall of Fame career and you really fight towards that and you really fight the best, you are going to make the big bucks no matter what. So, you know, it, I think it's, it, it can be a balance. 
uh, of acts regarding finances when you're a fighter or regarding a Hall of Fame career. You, you know, if you if you just choose finances, you're probably gonna get get a good amount of money, but it go down in history as a yeah, that's a whatever fighter. That's a, like we were saying, that's a throwaway fighter. You know, but if if they taste the Hall of Fame career and fight the best of the best as early as possible towards the end of their career, they will be the cash cow like my dude Canelo. Well, yeah. So, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead. You go finish your thought, bro. No, I was just gonna ask. You know, as JoJo Diaz with the hair color changes and you know the 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 up and down kind of career thus far. Do you think he shows up for this fight? I, I I think that Tevin Farmer is exactly what JoJo Diaz needed, you know, to bring to bring that fire um, and to bring that motivation and to get on the right path in terms of being focused and motivated uh, for a fight. I'm expecting him to bring it to, to Farmer. I hope and he does because I, I don't want him to show up the way he did with uh, with Russell. He showed up like Chris Farley, dude, all like I'm all ready to go and didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, no, you you're know, right. I, you're right. He he took that loss uh, against uh, against Russell. And I mean, he took not only did he again, not take that loss, he took he he got schooled in that loss. Yeah, you know. Yes, he and did. he didn't even try he to turn it up. It. And much you know like I mean? you were saying about Heard, heard earlier, as, as he bounced back. Now, the thing is with Diaz is that he's won four straight fights since then, right? Right, um, right. You know, only, only one of them has been by knockout, and the last one was a more majority decision, but he still has won his last four fights. I see these fights as being kind of confidence-boosting fights, confidence-reboosting fights, something that Joshua didn't have the luxury of doing because he wanted to win his titles back, but you know, yeah, I think I think he's got he's got his 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 four fights under his belt. His confidence is probably back up a little bit, and you know, one thing that Tevin Farmer is not is a power puncher. So at all, yeah. So I expect him to take it take it directly to Farmer, and and that to to me as a boxing fan excites me because I want to see what happens. Uh, well, here's two I, things that could happen, though, with that. He's not a puncher, but he is a valium puncher. And when you're yeah. a valium puncher, when a, when a guy like JoJo, he needs he needs pausing moments to let his hands yeah. go because he needs to see what he's going to – he needs to see his target. He doesn't really create angles. He just makes – he makes the momentum by, by the guy coming forward and him throwing the punch. That's why he had such problems with Gary – uh, with Gary Russell Jr. is Gary Russell Jr. gave him angles, wasn't really there to be touched, and also let his hands go. He kept them all preoccupied, kept them off his back foot. Farmer can do the exact yep. same thing with that type of yep. style. Keep him off his back yep. of his foot, not allow him to see the target. Could be right in front of him, and JoJo can choke again and end up looking like Chris Farley in one of his Saturday night mm-hmm. coaching skits. You know, I like mm-hmm. JoJo. Yeah, I, like I think JoJo, JoJo I, could pull it off. Go ahead, Kenny. I'm sorry. Go for it. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, 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 I was uh, going to say, uh, I pretty much ask the question. Give give my two-second thoughts and ask the, the, the question to sum it all up. My two-second thought is uh, I would actually like to see Tevin Farmer win because uh, I would love to see Tevin Farmer versus Gary Russell. 
and that is even more possible if Tevin Farmer wins. Uh, besides that, I don't really care who wins. Uh, uh, it's going to be a great match. Lots and lots and lots of punches thrown and lots of punches yeah. landed. I do, lo- I do look forward to it. But, yeah, like I said, I go for Tevin Farmer, not for any reason besides me wanting to see Tevin Farmer versus Gary Russell. And now the question is, uh, I guess to sum up the thought, uh, who do you guys choose to come in out as the winner in this fight? And it, it, uh, it's a two-part question. If you do choose uh, – uh, um, I, I'm losing catch of brain fire. If you do choose Joseph Diaz, do yeah. you see him possibly getting a rematch with Gary Russell? Uh, I don't I mean, see that happening. I think, <laughs> I, think the safe, I think the safe money, you guys know that I always usually like to roll with the underdog. It just makes watching, watching boxing a lot more fun for me. And mm-hmm. I've always been the kind of guy that roots for the underdog. Um, Who's the underdog in this one, though? Oh, Amil Clark? But, you know, I, I think I think Joseph Diaz Jr. is the underdog, David, and I think he's the underdog I think so too. For, for the for the reasons that you gave. Um, you know, the last time he fought a a boxer uh, like kind of on this level in terms of pure skills, what was Gary Russell, and we all saw what happened. It was a, it was essentially a nationally televised embarrassment um, for him, and. The Tevin Farmer that we've seen now repeatedly on the zone, which I would think has actually been good for him, the fact that he's been on the zone, that Tevin Farmer beats all of the versions of Joseph Diaz we've seen up to this point, right? The real question, again, and these are where the intangibles come into play, does a different, motivated, focused Joseph Diaz with a game plan and the ability to switch game plans? Because, you know, Tevin Farmer can switch hit. He can show you different angles and different looks. Do we see something special? If we don't get a special Joseph Diaz, what we're getting is a Tedman Farmer um, a boxing lesson. Um, that, that's, adjusted, that's what I An adjusted Jojo Diaz, not a special. Yeah. I don't think he needs yeah. to be overly special against Tedman Farmer. I think he needs to be an adjusted and clear-headed and think on the fly Jojo Diaz. That's really hard for me, in my opinion, for any young fighter to conquer. Um, we've seen Jojo Diaz grow. Um, I, from the first time I've seen the kid, I'm like, oh man, this guy is, 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 is a good fighter. But at the same time, have I've seen him, have you seen improvement? I've never seen improvement from Jojo Diaz. We know who Jojo Diaz is. Tevin Farmer, we know who Tevin Farmer is. But the difference with me when it comes to comparing the two is I think Farmer's a bit smarter not saying that Jojo D is dumb, so don't come at me all crazy in Gmails and all that. No, but what no, I think, what, I, what no. I'm saying is, is in terms of a smarter fighter and and more adjusted fighter and willing to adjust to get the win, might be Tevin Farmer, because Jojo looked like a deer in the headlights when he fought Gary Russell Jr. And even with four fights under his belt with the comeback. To get this really good anticipated grudge match with Tevin Farmer, none of them, none of them were close to being a boxer where he could cut the ring off and demonstrate that he has conquered the demons of a boxing mover with a lot of punches that's being thrown at him. I, I don't know yet. You know, uh, he may surprise us. I'm hoping that he surprises us because that's what boxing is really about. A boxing is about, you know, hurdling over accomplishments that you're being told you can't hurdle over, you know, you can't win. <laughs> right. So 
I anticipate yeah. a 50 fight. I think that I, I think that I think it really depends on who implicates and I always said this, it's always who starts what. You know, who starts to lead the, the, the dance? When you allow the other person to lead the dance, it always it's the 90% chance that person is going to control the ring generalship. You know, so my thing for JoJo is, one, is how do they train? Two was, did they have the right sparner, sparring partners in front of them? And three is, did they train to cut the ring off and not allow the Valiant Puncher to breathe? Because when you make a Valiant Puncher not being able to breathe, not to be able to have the arm distance and let their hands go, and you're up close in their chest, it makes them do things that they shouldn't do. It makes them do the mistakes that they know they shouldn't do, but they're going to end up taking that risk because they, can't, they don't know any other way to get out of it. You know, Valiant Punchers don't like to box backwards. They don't know how to box backwards. They know how to no. be stuck in the mud, let their hands go, you know, and make you take a step back because you're being overwhelmed. It's the killer bee effect. I've Absolutely. always called that Classic that. Example. You know? Classic example would be uh, Santa Cruz Jr. Right. Right. You know, which right. I think Santa Cruz Jr. versus uh, 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 Gervonta Davis is a really hell of a good fight, even though folks are like, ah, I don't know about that one. I think it's a good fight if it was to happen. Why? Because I don't think Davis carried his power up very well. You could put it on his weight, his weight, and he didn't make weight, you know, wasn't too serious about it, blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you this. Even if you're a fat fuck, your power doesn't leave. It's still there. Absolutely. And, and he was fighting a 38-year-old lightweight. That's very old for a lightweight. That's like a 48-year-old. Well, it, 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 it is old. It is old. 38-year-old lightweight that pours Achilles in the second round. It is old, but you have to admit that that this dude went in there super solid and swole. His, 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 his uh, traps and his neck looked like they would eat a punch from AJ. He's always looked he like that, even when and he gets knocked he out. But then, but <laughs> then no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. When he got knocked out against Crawford, he wasn't that big. But you're right. His, uh, uh, Davis's power didn't translate, and it didn't look good on him. But no, no. We, uh, 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 he wasn't that, that big when he got knocked out by Terrence Crawford, Gamboa. He's um, always, look, been, he's always been in fit. Let me, let me say. He's always been fit. He's always been cut up. Uh, he, I think he's, he's just a natural guy with that type of physique. But well, I look, he's also been associated with biogenesis down in down yeah, in right. Miami. What was that? that. Bi- biogenesis. Uh, explain that for people like myself. It, it's a Kenny. It's an and I'm using air quotes here. Actually, we're on video, so I'll do it on video. Yeah, yeah it's we a, can see it. We can see it. It's an anti-aging clinic. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So. He was yeah. on that list. He was on that list. And if anyone <laughs> wants to know about that, there's a great documentary on Netflix that kind of talks about the South Florida scene when it came to performance-enhancing drugs and um, Alex Rodriguez and a bunch of other guys like Manny Ramirez who, who were also involved. So, yeah. I remember, uh, I remember wait, reaching wait, out wait. to them. When that happened, he got on that list. I remember reaching out to his team because I've interviewed Gamboa uh, a few times. And uh, you talk about crickets man i mean nothing yeah. dude you know what are you gonna say he was on the list <laughs> you know what i mean i just wanted to know you're on the list what's going on why are you yeah. on that list yeah. they denied yeah. it you think they're yeah. saying that 135 since we're on that topic 
The who? What was that? I said, you think, it, well, he probably is, but you think Davis is going to stay at 135, and do you think that's a good move for him? After well, he's that first fight? I don't, I, I think he I better think not better. think about going up to 140 because the next guy I wanted to talk about, I think right now, uh, would absolutely destroy him, and that's Jose Ramirez if they were to fight right now. Um, oh, yeah. And the, other, and the other beast at 140, he's got no business going up anymore in weight. He needs to, if anything, I think he rushed his way out of 130. It's just that he couldn't make the weight anymore because I thought there were great fights there for him against guys like uh, like Farmer, right? Yeah, so, but but then again, Davis looks like he's is. Sorry. You that? Sorry. I said, I said Santa Cruz, in my opinion, is a smaller version of Jose Ramirez. Throws a lot of punches. Yeah. You know, and it's going to swarm all over him. So, and yeah, has I a think great, so. chin. great chin. Great yeah. chin. Great cardio. Uh, punches in bunches. And also, you know what I like that Jose Ramirez does, David? And I know you'll appreciate this too. You know, he jabs to the body. He varies his jab. And also, he doesn't throw everything with power. He'll throw in a, a few flurries and then hit you with the powerful one, whether it's to the body or to the head. He, he's, he's, he hides his power but with, with power punch, with, with, with volume punches. But, you know, he'll throw in the fourth or fifth shot in a flurry will, will be a power shot. So you guys really think that Ramirez would wash Davis, like completely destroy him? Right now, I, I, I'd see that I as like almost that. I destroy him. No. I, I think Davis, that, that, that sounds crazy to me. Well, let me tell you this. Davis, to me, right now, with, with Gamboa, who had a torn Achilles, uh, was way out of his prime. Was able to touch Davis. Good. Was able to touch him. Yeah, it was Davis uh, 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 out of shape, like some folks are saying. Maybe so, but he was being touched. He looked horribly. Right. He said so he was. He said he wasn't in bad shape. That's what he said. I don't think he, he was in bad shape. I, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that guess what? You're moving up, and your power didn't carry up with you. You know, a lot of guys think that because Manny Pacquiao did it, everybody else can do it. You know. It's not the way. Well, that's not the well, way boxing well, really his, mentor, his, mentor, his mentor and promoter Floyd, his power didn't carry up with him after he left no. one thirty. No, you know? the difference. The difference is too that that uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao kept on training for that type of style. If you see Javante Davis in the training that he does, all, all he does is train a power punch. He doesn't necessarily throw a whole lot of punches. He just throws No, he doesn't. You're right, Kenny. A punch here at the back. Yeah. A punch here at the back. So what that does is, you know, you, you're only going to increase power by training the muscle that gives you the power, training it back, throwing more volume punches, and, you know, increasing your training, increasing your regimen. He did not look like he was in shape. His breathing at the end of the fight told you he wasn't in shape. Plus, oh. he, yes, he went up in weight, but he looked fatter than I have ever seen him. Yeah, I agree with that. But the one thing I think people forget when it comes to power and power punching, it's not just muscular strength. It's speed and it's torque, you know, right. and you and lose mechanics. those things. Yeah, and mechanics, yeah. The mechanics is what generates the speed and the torque, right? You told me, Lucille. Yeah. You know, you look at a guy, you look at some of the most devastating punchers in, in boxing history, whether it's Hitman Hearns or now Deontay Wilder. These aren't the most muscular guys, you know what I mean? They're guys the more, who throw... The, long, the longer yeah. your muscle is, the more dangerous your punch is going to be because your power comes at the end of your punch. You know? Speed and torque. 
It's yeah, just feeding so, for it. It's being able to turn over your shot and, and landing it at the end of your punch and, and, like I said, punching from the legs and through the hips and all the way another, through the wrist. Here's yeah. another thing, too. Watching that fight with Davis, with Gamboa, you saw a lot of times he forced two things, his speed and his power. It was being forced. It, it wasn't as fluent and natural that two weight down. You know, that's what I'm saying. I think that that division is not good for him. He's going to have to have the right guys in front of him, the right opponents that he develops and catches up to that weight class. And guess what? He may not have that power ever. Look, so he this has division, to revert to the division division leg. He needs to start this, training more. This you guys were talking over each other, so I didn't hear anything that you said, Amilcar. Uh, I was just saying that the division is stacked. I mean, it's you've really got stacked. Loma, you've <laughs> got, uh, um, you know, um, Lopez. Uh, Linares. You know, it's, <laughs> Linares, it's, it's, you've got a lot of good boxers at this. At, I mean, even Jose Pedraza's on the comeback trail. You know what I mean? Yeah. Luke, Luke Campbell out of England. I was going to say lost, Campbell, yeah. He's never lost well, a like fight like that one. And been dominated. You know, he he's a super slick high level boxer. I think he would give uh Tank Davis fits. Right? So you guys not, not to forget we've got Devin Haney and your your Ooh. boy uh Kenny, Javier Fortuna. Javier Fortuna's a really good fighter. You and know the were, too. Yeah, there's a lot of good fighters at 135 pounds. He might be bit, biting off a little bit more than he can chew and he he you know somebody else oh, made it's still made around the waistline. It definitely showed yeah, him around the waistline. He's got to focus more on his training and less on his, his jewelry and other extravagant things. This is my uh, my last question on Davis before we move on, because it's not like he has yeah. anything coming up or anything like that. No. Um, is it over for him in 130? Is he ever go- Will he be able to? Is he ever going to go down? Is, is, is it a wrap? Call Reynolds I mean, is a wrap? Boxing history is not kind to people who go up and then come back down and wait. Uh, There are a few people who've done it successfully, but, I mean, you just look at the history of the sport, Kenny. When guys go up and wait, they very rarely go back down. One of the very few examples um, is someone who all three of us are pretty high on is Nonito. Nonito, you know, went all the way to 126 and then decided to come back down to 118. Regan, Two recently has decided to drop back down to 118, his natural weight class. These are guys who went fishing for big fish when they really shouldn't have been doing it um, and now have gone back down to their weight classes. But it's not really that common. And given who is training him and who is, uh, in this case, promoting him in Mayweather, I don't really think that's out of the Mayweather playbook, a, a weight drop. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah gotcha. I agree, man. I, I mean, I so think if guys, the, so one fight I wanted you. Sorry, sorry, David, I interrupted you. Go. No, no. What fight? What fight are we going to talk about here? No, I I wanted to talk about uh, Ramirez and Postal. There was a time when Postal was considered a killer at 140. Those years have kind of been obviously in the rearview mirror, but he's fighting. I don't know if he was considered a killer, but I know he was definitely considered. One of the best. He had a, a phenomenal jab. Um, his jab yeah. was one to to really just it was <laughs> difficult to get past because it was like a a pole stick. 
Um, yeah. But I mean, he's he hasn't done much after losing to Crawford. I'm not. No. I'm not sure really what what he poses, what kind of a threat he really poses to Jose Ramirez. You know, Jose Ramirez right now is in is in an ultra high. Um, I've never been a major fan of of Robert Garcia. I remember when they were giving him Trainer of the Year because of Nonito Dornier, but Nonito wasn't really training with Robert Garcia. He was using the facility here and there, but he was really with um, God. What's the guy's name? Right? Um, no, it was uh, the the God. I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, the guy from San Carlos who's who's uh, who's worked with Victor Conte because because uh, uh, Dornier was working out of Victor Conte. Oh yeah. Um, you know, his lab and stuff, you know, his, his gym. Yeah. And uh, You're talking about Remy, Remy Kokemi, the track coach, or are you talking about his actual trainer? The actual trainer was, I, I believe, I want to say his name was Michael. I, it'll come to me right now, you know, but, yeah. but that was the guy that really worked with him. So, Jose Ramirez right now, I'm very impressed because I think that with every fighter, every fighter and trainer need to have a certain chemistry, and there has to be some yeah. similarities um, and be, so that they can adapt and they can really uh, – uh, the the the, com- the conversation between them is very clear of what they're they're both trying to reach and get the goals right well, and Garcia well, I mean, yeah no go ahead what are you gonna say no 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 you, you're good finish you're off good, finish David. off David yeah well I, I, I'm just saying that Garcia to me I think has brought out the best of Jose Ramirez right now I I think that this is a keep busy fight. Uh, to see what Taylor's going to do because, you know, obviously what happened to uh, progress uh, of losing to Taylor, I, I think that's what they're doing. They're, they're waiting. They're waiting to make their move. It's, you know, at the end of the day, the end of the day, boxing in the ring could be a chess match or a checker game, but it also, it is, a, it's the same exact way in the business aspect. You know, it's very cutthroat and you have to sit and wait back in the tall grass and wait for the moments to attack so that you can, you know, get the bigger fights that you're looking for. And I think that's what they're doing is keeping their fighter busy, polishing up Ramirez's tools. And Victor Posto is a good name because uh, that's the only reason I see that fight, the, the fight being made was to keep him, keep him busy and to keep his, his tools polished. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Great. Josh Taylor is a, a southpaw and Postel's an orthodox fighter, but they're both tall for their weight class. They're both right. athletic, and they're both known for carrying some pop in their punches. It and, should be um, a good fight. It should be a good fight. It's, it's taking place in China. I'm not too sure why. But, um, I, again, look, I, obviously I'm going to watch it. I'm intrigued. I, I, I want to see how, how he does, uh, Ramirez, because obviously the – Win against Maurice Hooker was spectacular. Uh, the win when he when he unified the titles, and I'd like to see how how, how he does in, in a different environment against a, a taller guy. And you know, obviously, the fight I'm looking forward to is a potential fight for 2020, which is one of the teams of today's show, is a fight to unify the division with Josh Taylor. Same here, man. That's the fight that I really want to see. I, I don't. Look, I don't think Victor Polsto is going to compose any problem. I don't think he's going to be Maurice Hooker. I think Maurice Hooker uh, didn't have all the right tools, you know, to keep Jose Ramirez. He fought Jose Ramirez's fight. The one thing that Hooker brought to the table was that chin and that, that you know, determination to get back up. He got beat fair and square. 
Victor Postal, I don't think he brings that. I don't see that happening. I don't think that he's going to be able to to weather the onslaught that Jose Ramirez is going to do to, to him. I, I, I'm actually thinking that Jose Ramirez stops Victor Postal within four to five rounds. Yeah, that seems fair. Now, now uh, um, I have a, a, another fight that I actually want to ask you guys about. Uh, yeah. I know I noticed we have 30 minutes. We're uh, running down, or 25 minutes now. We're running down on time, so I just want to, before the show's over, I want to ask you guys about this, and especially because one of them is Mexican, and my boy David is Mexican, and I'm not sure you're gonna be too happy about this guy, but uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah, uh, it, it's a milk cost favorite friend, Mr. Spike O'Sullivan, fighting <laughs> <laughs> David Duenas's boy. <laughs> well, Mungia, the bazooka, Mungia. the Mexican bazooka, <laughs> Jaime Mungia. Yeah, Mungia. So, so it, it, you know. Uh, I guess my original thoughts regarding this fight is that it's like a, it's a funny fight. It's a funny fight between two funny guys. I actually like Jaime Munguia, and I feel like he like he's okay. He's a, he has a good body and a good size. He's just an average fighter to me, though. Like he needs to develop somewhat his fighting ability. Or let's just say, time. dude. Let's, just, the, say, let's just say Jaime Jaime Munguia is a solo boxeo late at night fighter. You know, Damn. Uh, he 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 caught the imagination of fight fans by beating smaller guys. Okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna say that Gennady Golovkin was beating smaller guys, the obvious is Jaime Moria made a career on beating smaller guys. Um, Sullivan, God, the only thing that's really attractive about his style is his mustache. Other than that, this fight is really meaningless. Uh, I think Moria is gonna probably. Struggle with with Sullivan, which he shouldn't, but he will. I think he'll struggle with them for just a short bit. But I think Sullivan is just happy to be there with a pint and and take punches. And people talk about him during the fight. But I don't see this as a threat to Jaime at all. To me, it's to keep busy. Why? Because he's generated a, a fan base. He's gen, he's generated a you know a, a buzz. Um, when yeah. when I see other Mexicanos, they ask me like, "Hey man, what do you think behind me?" I actually had one guy, uh, <laughs> one guy that actually told me that Jaime Moria was the future of Mexican boxing. I almost hit with my Modelo bottle and stuff because I was like, "What wow. are you talking about, bro? <laughs> like, are you, you serious?" You mentioned David that he's been beating smaller guys. I actually thought he got beat by a smaller guy, Dennis he's Hogan. Smaller guy, right? When they right. when they fought in Monterrey, Mexico. I, I mean, it was. It was a majority decision, but, uh, you know, if a guy from Australia who's originally from Ireland gets a majority decision against a Mexican fighter in Monterrey, you know, we can pretty much just say that that was probably a win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I agree with everything you said. I got nothing against Jaime. I like Jaime. Um, Me too. But I think that just, I mean, I got to be honest about it, you know. He's not. He's no. He's not a future Julio Cesar Chavez. He's no Morales. He's no Barrera. He's definitely he's no Canelo. Uh, he's a better. He's a better. He's a better dedicated fighter than Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. But I tell you what, he's no Omar Omar uh, Chavez. Omar Chavez is a better you fighter mean, than Morilla. <laughs> you mean he doesn't? You mean he doesn't get high and eat cookies and Cheerios? No, which which I'm not knocking. I mean, if that's what you like to do and get paid two million just to show up to to say that you got punched in the nose, uh, you know. Let, yeah. Let's bring that up. We don't. We haven't even talked about that. About 
the, the beer bottles being thrown. First off, if you're throwing good beer, I, I should punch you in the face, okay? I agree. Don't take, out, don't take your anger out on good beer. What the hell is wrong? Finish your fucking beer before you throw your beer. Please. You know how it irks me to see good beer flying across the arena and hitting the canvas and the, and the ring? And here's another thing. If you're pissed at Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. <laughs> quit on you, that's shame on you. Because I, I tuned in to actually watch the circus. When I go to the circus, I go because I want to be entertained by the clowns and the elephants and everything else that comes with the circus. Yeah. And guess what? Yeah. That's what I got. I wasn't pissed. That's I was exactly actually laughing of the whole thing. The uh, guy comes out with color hair. He looked like an addict. Okay? Nothing against addicts. But he looked like the guy that he, you know, does, uh, he lives from Stockton, California. You know? Um, and, and then he shows up. He looks at it. I mean, his dad said it all for everybody that was not just Mexican, but everybody that's a hardcore fight fan. You know? It's just like, fuck, this guy did it again. Like, he, he, he pulled this off again. He's the greatest. I used to say Floyd Mayweather was the greatest musician in boxing. Julio Cesar Chavez is the greatest musician in boxing because he actually <laughs> thought he actually made promoters and and commissions and fans that showed up to the arena at a twenty five dollar ticket believe that he was really going to show up for the fight. That's magic, yeah. people. That's <laughs> magic. But but it, but it looked like it. It looked like it in the beginning. It really looked like it in the beginning. Like That's he really magic, did show up for the fight. <laughs> He, he fooled the, the hell out of me. That's the fucking illusion right there. Is that he made you believe that he was going to show up, and in all reality, in all reality, he wasn't going to show up. Now, now here's the thing. I'm not mad at the kid because me and Milcar had a great conversation about Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. off the air on, on a conversation on the phone. And I said this to uh, Milcar. I don't remember the, the conversation, yeah. you know. Yeah, I told I Milcar, well. though, here's the thing that nobody's bringing up is that, for one, he's carrying his dad's name. There's the pressure there. Never going to be like his dad. He really didn't, he had no amateur background. Um, he was thrown to the wolves. How much did his dad really spend the time to teach the kid how to fight properly? Um, and here's another thing. Nobody's really brought this up. I'm, I'm a guy that likes to kind of think out of the box and look at certain things. Julio Cesar yeah. Chavez Jr. was in debt with the, with, with, with the Sinaloa cartel. He was in debt. Let's not forget that his dad was an addict. He was in so much debt that, that, that he was being threatened, and there were certain people around him were killed because he was in debt. Who's to say, and I'm just, this is, this, like I said, I'm just throwing out a theory. Who's to say that his kid didn't get involved in boxing to help his dad out in paying these certain debts? Just before we <laughs> continue, David, uh, uh Quiero que todos sepan que no tengo nada en contra del cartel de Sinaloa. Yeah. Estamos bien. Gracias. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a reality. It is a cold reality that, that things like this in boxing still exist, and it's always going to exist. The, the boxing was born in the corner of the shadows, uh, in the depths of the shadows. It's, I mean, for yeah. folks to believe that it's, not, that it's finally cleared out and it's got light in it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I got a lot of good friends that are in the boxing industry, you know, and we yeah. have great conversations and stuff, you know, but, you know, the reality is, is that when you walk into the sport of boxing, you may come in clean, but you're definitely, even if you don't play dirty, you're going to walk away with some smudge. 
You know, so I don't want to bag on Julio Cedric Chavez Jr. too much because of what his performance and what he did, because I don't know mentally where he's at. I don't know any of that. And I mean, like you said, yeah, I've I've always seen him as kind of a sad character, fighting for respect from his father. Probably father. fighting for yeah. for yeah for you know the, to show Mexico and everyone around him that you know he's worthwhile as a person that he's not just some spoiled kid that have everything handed to him that he does have have value and you know it's it's kind of sad because they keep bringing him out over and over again and selling him as if he's going to be something that he's they clearly use him, man. not. If, if that's the case, uh, I feel really bad for the kid because. Uh, that uh, famous uh, gif that's going around with his pops with the head in the hand and the shaking, that famous gif that's all that, that went viral after the fight, yeah, that yeah. must be breaking yeah. his heart. No. If, if you know, said is the case, that has to break his heart. You know, it's, it's sad, man, because you know what? I see a kid being used. Um, I see a kid that because he has that name, the expectations that people are expecting – and then it doesn't follow through. I mean, he's the one that's got to walk around from the beginning, not just now. Think about this. From the beginning. If you go back to the beginning, the better fighter from the two boys is Omar. Omar just didn't have the first name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You I know, mean, and, I, and so it was up to Julio. Great. It was up to Julio to go, okay. And, and, and that's not to say much. I mean, Omar was just not that much better. I mean, it's, no. it's it's I think it's really shitty, man, when we expose these kids that have famous names and we have these expectations and we're, we're, they're being told because they're basically being lied to that you're going to be exactly like your old man. Oh, you're going to be close to it. You're going to be close to it, my man. I mean, let's not forget no. Sergio Martinez told him he was an embarrassment to his father and to all Mexico. Nice. Not only he yeah. said it, Canelo said it. No, absolutely. You know? Well, so this is a guy, this is a guy not just from this time right now, has been told you're never going to be shit. Imagine that, guys. And not, not just from your parents or from family members being told you're never going to be shit. But the whole freaking country has been telling you you're never going to be shit. And guess what? Well, He's embraced it better than any other fight fan that showed up and got pissed and threw bear bo- a beer bottle. He embraced he has, it. He embraced the whole fact. I ain't going to be shit, but I'm going to get paid for not being shit. I, I, I wholeheartedly uh, agree that he embraced it wholeheartedly. Uh, uh, I don't even think he feels bad. He was fighting well, and then he just gave up on himself. He literally just gave up on himself. He, he actually looked good. His power looked good. He hit Danny Jacobs with a couple of shots that I was surprised he even landed. You know, nobody quit but himself. So you're right. He's embracing it. Nobody should feel bad for him. He shouldn't even feel bad for himself because he's the one that quit on the fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think he does feel bad, bro. I don't think he does feel bad, but I think he understands. I think he understands the business is what make an excuse. It's worked for him numerous times. It's worked for him, but the writing was on the wall. Didn't do the testing. didn't show up weight. I mean, come on. Holy shit. Did, did, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the fight site was changed. When that all happened, I was like, popcorn, brewski's out. This is going to be good. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Hip-hop and love. This is, this is going to be better than hip-hop and love, man. This is going to be good. 
So one of the one of the fighters that I've been looking forward to seeing the most in 2020 is Mexican. It definitely does not fill uh, this mode, but it's uh, Julio Cesar Martinez, the the flyweight champion. Ooh. I mean, the last two fights I've seen this kid in have just been it's so impressive. Uh, Fire, dude. Uh, yep. Yeah, and uh, he recently uh, signed to fight on uh, February 29th, so it's one of the you know, fights earlier in the year that I'm looking forward to. Not because I think it's going to be very competitive. He's fighting uh, Jay Harris, who's uh, the European champ. But right. I, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, utter destruction. You know, last time he fought a, a, a he he fought a, a European uh, was uh, was back in London, and I'm sure you guys remember. I mean, the, he he got the no contest, but from the beginning of of, of the fight until the bell was rung, he was just all, all over his opponent and just, just like beat him relentlessly. How, what you do know, you think of this kid, David? Oh, I like this kid, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm uh, soaking it all in with him. And the reason why you soak it in with guys like that, when they're smaller and they have that type of style, anybody that has yeah. a style like that, you only have a lifespan of maybe five, six years. It's very rare to see them go past that, you know? Agreed. So, you know, when when we got guys like you know Brandon Rios, I like Brandon Rios style. You know, he threw a lot of punches, he threw a lot of body punches, but he ate a lot of punches. And I remember telling fans all the time, enjoy that style, enjoy him now because it's not gonna last. It's it's not gonna last, you know. So I'm the kid Martinez, I like him. Can't wait to see him again. Whoever he fights, I think it's always gonna be very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the last uh, big fight that, that's kind of been announced but hasn't been – we haven't determined yet when, when it's going to take place is the final of the World uh, Boxing Super Series, the cruiserweight final between Yurnier right. uh, Gortikos, who I felt had the best knockout of last year when he destroyed uh, Andrew Tabidi um, in the 10th wow, round. That was it was great. just Brutal, savage knockout. Great. He's facing off against against Myris Bradis, who's a top top uh, cruiserweight, has been for a few years now. I think that's going to be a great fight. Um, and and um, it's going to be war, bro. That, yeah, that's going to yeah. be a, a war because Bradis is no punk. I mean, we've seen what he does. Uh, you get dirty, I'll get dirty. <laughs> oh yeah, you throw a big against shot. Milwaukee. I'm going to throw a big shot. Against Glowacki, it's just un- unbelievable that the last time these guys fought was June 15th of last year on that yeah. doubleheader. I mean, I don't understand what the World Boxing Super Series has been doing in terms of having these guys on the shelf. From what I know, Fun. neither of them are injured. Um, they finished the, the, the Bantamweights tournament, but I've just been waiting for this fight. So I hope it happens soon. They've in struggled with funds. They've struggled with backing the funds. I mean... Um, remember how many fighters that were going to drop out of the, the series because uh, financially they weren't being um, recouped or the promise of that certain amount of money was going to be put in their account. It, it, it comes down to funds. That's Damn. why, you know, look, Damn. that's why I say I see certain fans saying, put your money where your mouth is, show up to the events, buy the fighters' merchandises, you know, uh, uh, pay for the, for, for the platform on your phone. Those monies go to the fighters too, not just to whoever you. If you don't like Eddie Hearn or Bob Ehrman, all this other stuff, 
I don't. I get people to always go like, "Hey, Dave, you got a link to whatever fight? I pay for them." Um, because even though yeah. I'm pissed at whatever, I'm like, shit, this fight's on goddamn pay per view again. I still, I yeah. always go back and go, well, you know what? These fighters put their lives on the line, you know, and, and, and whether I know them or not, um, they're not a known name. They're still, they're there for our inter- entertainment. So I try to give back, and that's the only way because I can't normally make it to a live fight, you know, uh, you know, to 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 wherever they're gonna fight or whatever state. I can't always make it. I'm a blue collar guy, and that's what blue this sport is all blue collar guys. We can't all make it to Staples, the Staples in LA, and go to every single uh, fight event. Just can't do it. But the way Not you can all. contribute, right? The way you can contribute is, hey, you know, um, pay for the app. You know, if if it's only for that one time deal because it's going to be a one fight at a month, and you're gonna, you know, and that's and you don't want to pay for now, so just pay for that one day. You know, so. Uh, Going back Absolutely. with the World Series, going back with the Series, that that was the that was the main problem. They didn't have a home, and they weren't getting the funds that that at the time Schaefer uh, promised that he was going to deliver. And luckily, the zone helped out, picked up the bill, and uh, other people jumped in and picked up that bill. So that's why I dragged it, out for so long. It could definitely be more successful. Uh, I feel, and I know that uh, uh, Milkar and yourself probably not going to agree with me. It would probably be more successful if they took it to the premier weight classes as opposed to the other weight classes that are not as popular. We were talking about this. It other would, day. it, it so would, but it, now it, you're it, talking it, about major, major money. Because here's the thing, though, Kenny, is that the premier weight classes, there, everybody that's in that division don't want to participate with that. That's the that's the problem. When you really guys have true. you really have guys with established names, they don't want to participate with that because. See now they're equally being played. They're equally being paid. There's no, there's no, uh, 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 um, you know, I'm getting I'm B, uh, A side and you're B side. No, you're all equals. And fighters' egos sometimes get in the way with tournaments. Why do you think the middleweight the division had never got developed? Go for it. What are you saying? Not just the fighters. Not, not, not just the fighters, David. But you actually have promoters like Bob Arum that say that he'll never right. put his his guys in the in the tournaments at all. Um. You know, and um, it's unfortunate because, look, we were talking about Jared Hurd kind of falling off the map earlier. What the hell happened to Murat Gassiev? I mean, he had an amazing ooh. tournament run. He, the last time he fought was 2018 against Alexander Usk, right? Wow. Um, what's going on, Murat? I thought he was I, moving I up to heavyweight. That's what I heard, but he hasn't fought. He hasn't done it, right. Right? Should probably stay, it should probably stay in cruiserweight. And that was he was he was on one of the that that fight I I know at the time we kind of argued about this Kenny because you didn't see it live and I always think that if you don't see fights live and you know the result that it's not as exciting as if you watch it live and you don't know what happened. Oh, absolutely. But the, the fight between him and Dorticos was like one of the best fights of that year. Oh, I, great. it was. Yeah, it was just. Savagery, man. It was, it was. It was really good. I remember the surprise. That I remember you were so upset. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So look, I think what we've what we've discussed tonight is kind of the ups and downs of being a boxing fan. You know, yes, there were good fights on the horizon for 2020, but obviously there's the frustrations we have, whether it's with you know Terrence Crawford not being able to find fights, guys that we like like Heard not necessarily setting an agenda for themselves and giving us anything to look forward to. 
but then we also have like some of the bright spots uh, to look forward to as well, like Fury Wilder, which I'm sure we'll get into as the fight gets closer. And um, fighters like uh, the, the young Martinez is coming up the ranks and, and potentially, hopefully, a unification fight at 140. So I, I've kind of given the stuff I'm looking forward to. I don't know if you guys have anything else you wanted to, uh, to mention that wasn't already discussed. No, there's fights, but there's fights that are coming up that we probably discuss in the future. They'll probably give like full episodes, or not full, but like a half an episode too. So I don't think it's stuff that I would bring up, Dave. I think I think honestly, we we covered some stuff. I mean, we didn't have a an exact schedule of what we were going to talk about. Um, yeah. I think though we, I think we touched on some stuff that that we should have discussed here um, for the weeks that the two weeks that we were off that we were on air. Uh, I'm looking forward for tw- uh, 2020. I think that the schedule so far that we were seeing um, is actually pretty solid. You know, uh, the amount of boxing that has been put on for 2019 has really kind of showed us the possibilities of how our Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays are going to look. You know, I think it's a great time for boxing fans. It's something that we've asked for, and now we're being saturated with it. Um, we can't watch all the fights but we can definitely make the effort of watching the fights that are most important to us. I encourage everybody to try to watch everything, the lower weights to the heavier weights. Um, They're as exciting, the lower weights are as exciting as the heavier weights. Uh, Let's not forget, the lighter weights carried the heavyweights when there was at a um, landmine of nothing. (laughs) Uh This is a preview preview of a debate. Sounds like it, David. (laughs) Sounds like this is a preview of a debate that we can hopefully have. He's getting you guys warmed up for a future debate. Yeah, we got a future debate here uh, between the three of us uh, about divisions. And um, but no, uh, going back to 2020, it's very bright. Uh, I think that the only thing that, like I mentioned earlier, if you tune in on leaving the ring here, is that fight fans, we we just don't like fantasy fights. We don't want to talk about the ifs and ands and the possibilities. We want to talk about when it's about to happen and when it has happened. That's, that's, that, that gives us the, the adrenaline that we all seek. Uh, boxing is an adrenaline for a fight fan. You know, it is that fix that we need to see the best face the best. We don't want, we don't, I don't, I, I could speak for every hardcore boxing fan when I say we don't care about your purse. We don't care who your promoter is. We don't care what network you're on because year after year and after year, we've seen those roads get crossed. We've seen those, you know, negotiations be made. We've seen those fights that said that the possibilities of it ever happening end up happening. It boils down to who wants to be great. And as a boxing fan and a person that's loved this sport since the day I was able to walk and understand what I was watching, that's what great fighters do for us. That's the adrenaline that we seek is to see a great fighter reach and torment themselves to get to that point. So I'm looking forward for two, uh, uh, 2020. I'm really looking forward to see out of the bunch of fighters in this big bucket of weight divisions, which ones really honestly 
are going to make 2020 the solidified moment for them of saying, I'm a great fighter. Fellas, again, it was a great night of boxing talk here on Leaving the Ring. Can't wait for next week on Monday. We'll go back to our regular schedule, which would be, I think we are, right? 4 p.m., guys, and 7 p.m. Eastern time? Or are we sticking to 5 p.m.? I'm, o- I'm hoping to stick to eight because it means a little bit less rushing for me to get back. That'd to be great. Day. All right, so there yeah. you go, guys. We Sounds made that decision. It's going to be 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time. As always, you can reach us on our social media, Twitter, uh, even on the Leave It a Ring page on Facebook, or just email us at leaveitaring at gmail.com. Again, fellas, uh, enjoy your guys' weekend. Don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. And if that's one thing I hate, is seeing beer being spilled. Guys? Until next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Happy New Year, David, Kenny. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank happy you, New Year. You guys take care. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.